the IBM Z applications and runtime podcasts. Your place to get the news trends and direction for mainframe runtimes and environments. Well, hello and welcome to another episode from our Application Platform Talks uh, podcast series, and where we chat to experts that are involved with the runtimes, and they talk about topics that are dear to their heart. And assisting me today is Toby Leischer from Germany. So Toby, once again, it's an absolute pleasure to work with you. Very likewise. Hello, everyone. And today we're talking to Christian Jacobi who is going to give us some insight into the recently announced uh, Telem chip and how it can bring benefits to applications that run on mainframes. So, Christian, thank you for giving up your time with us today. Certainly. Pleasure to be here. This recording will be made available at ibm.biz forward slash Z podcasts where you can find a lot more podcasts that are related to different areas of IBM Z. Now, to kick off, Christian, before we go into the challenges of designing a new chip for a brand new range of IBM Z machines, we'd like to know a little bit more about you, about Christian the man, and how you became involved with mainframe computers. Yeah, so it's actually a funny story. Let me go way back, right? When I was like 15, 16 years old, I started programming in a small company in my hometown, um, the database programming and stuff like that. And then I went to Saarland University in Germany to uh, study computer science. And in my head, it was very clear that I'd be a programmer and do software development uh, for the rest of my life. But then Monday morning, 9.15, com computer science one, um, like first day in college, the professor starts talking about AND gates, OR gates, inverters, and how you can build a adder circuit from, from those basic gates. And I was hooked on hardware. I, I did my computer science master, like a lot of algorithms and, and stuff like that. But I was I was excited about hardware, and I ended up going to IBM Böbling in, in um, Germany and joined the hardware design group there. And initially, I worked on the cell processor, designed floating point units for the cell processor, uh, the, the gaming chip uh, back then. Um, and then over time, I joined the IBM Z team uh, in Böblingen. Initially, but then I went on assignment to Poughkeepsie, New York for three years, uh, 2007, I believe. And after we came back to Germany after three years, my wife and I decided we liked it better in the Hudson Valley. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful area here. And so in 2012, we actually permanently relocated back to Poughkeepsie. But yeah, it goes all back to first day in college, Monday morning, 9.15, when I got hooked on hardware. Well, I mean, an amazing story. And because I know that VSE is kind of the home at Burblingham, was it the VSE operating system that you or mainframes that you were working chips with initially, or was it with uh, MVS or ZOS? No, it actually was a completely different group. Um, at the time, IBM was designing the cell processor chip for the Sony PlayStation. And um, so I was part of that team initially. A bunch of my friends from, from Saarland University had gone to IBM in my last couple of years. I actually uh, ended up doing a PhD at Subrokin as well. And during that time, uh, some of my friends went to Böblingen. And so I just followed them. They told me about how, how much fun it is to design chips. And they were working on the cell processor as well. So um, that, that's how I joined that group. And I guess everything happened from there. 
well, you, you certainly made a good choice. And, and then, sorry, I interrupted you because you were then saying that you preferred it out in America. Your wife jointly decided that you should go. So where did you move to in, uh, in America for going back for re- relocating? Uh, in the Poughkeepsie, uh, Poughkeepsie, New York area. Um, it's just the, the Hudson Valley with like the seasons and the fall and everything is just, it's a beautiful place to be. And it has uh, something I remember about that area that there is the CIA. And I, when I first went to Poughkeepsie, everyone was like, so we need to go to the CIA to have food. And I was like, yeah, hmm. I can't really imagine why the central agency, uh, intelligence agency would be actually very good for, for food. But then it turned out it's actually a cooking, a cooking school with very, very amazing restaurants there. So, so I really like that about the place as well. Yeah. Yeah, and now I live across the river from the CIA and can actually see oh, nice. it. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so so Christian, when you did, did join this this group that designs a processor, and I think if you have a little bit of a of a distance to processors, it seems a little bit abstract. So so so, so what is you can still do with processing design in twenty 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 one and uh, soon twenty twenty two to make uh, computing even better? And how does that actually help us today? Yeah, so a lot of things have changed since I joined IBM, right? When, when I joined, we were on, gosh, 90 nanometer technology or something like that. And by now we're designing in seven and five nanometer. Uh, and so that obviously uh, there's a lot of um, silicon technology innovation that has happened uh, over the last 20 or so years. But as everybody's talking about, um, silicon scaling has slowed down or maybe even stopped. Moore's law is sort of uh, ending or, or already dead, depending on who you talk to. And you have seen like the gigahertz race has ended. Just that tremendous performance improvement that happened maybe 10, 15 years ago is no longer happening. But that doesn't mean that hardware design is dead, right? There's a lot of things we can still do. Uh, a, we continue to drive performance forward, right? We, we never just settle for, for flat performance profiles. But there's a lot of things going on across the industry, but also, of course, on IBMZ to add features and functions, uh, capabilities, accelerators, new security functionality on those, on those chips to make them more capable, more valuable, ultimately uh, delivering end-to-end value to our systems as a z guy we're not just designing the chip of course we're designing the chip in the context of the system cooperating uh, with the system design the firmware teams the software teams um, to to deliver this end-to-end value and uh, so beyond just some performance improvements 10 15 percent performance per core and 10 15 percent more cores per generation something like that there's all these new capabilities um uh, the compression accelerator, for example, we added on Z15 or secure execution, confidential computing capabilities. Um, so I think a lot of the focus has shifted over the last couple of years towards those new capabilities. And I think I think that is that is very interesting when you say that, because I sometimes have the feeling that also Moore's law is kind of shifting anyway. It is not really you have less you have less transistors on it. You just have different areas on the chip that makes it very interesting that you have these special accelerators that we might think of as an extra box that I can set aside or as the, the GPUs that I can add to the machine. That, But we are actually on a scale that we have these accelerators basically working on the chip with the cores directly. And I find that is a very interesting move because, because of course, it makes it much closer to the data and, of course, the, the core processing. And I think... Um, that is also an area where you can get a lot of performance benefits of, is it? 
Absolutely. And you're making a really good point without without getting you know too, too technical here. Moore's law is really not a statement about performance. It's a statement about how many transistors you can put on on a chip of any given size, right? Denard scaling, uh, on the other hand, is a concept that talked more about uh, performance and power efficiency. And Denard scaling really has ended Moore's law in that sense of just chip density uh, continues. We can put more transistors per square centimeter uh, than we could five years ago. And as we look into the future, we'll be able to put more transistors down five years from now than we can today. And so as a microarchitect, the challenge is, um, what are we doing with those transistors? Some of those transistors go into more performance by building bigger caches, putting more cores on each chip. But then a lot of the transistors are now getting devoted to uh, special accelerators for compression, for data sorting. And, you know, with the Telem chip that we announced uh, last summer for AI capabilities as well. So, so, so that is very interesting because I think traditionally IBM had a little bit of a break at the, the big conferences and not talking about their chips anymore. And I think a few years ago we, we, we started this again. And I think that is very interesting because, because the chip itself had some very great improvements. And you already mentioned the accelerator and the accelerator for AI. So, so what is it we can do on a chip to make it perform maybe even better than an additional GPU, for example? Yeah, so uh, let me let me let me say two things here. First, you're absolutely right. We we really went out here showcasing uh, the chip innovation, and we've done this over the last couple generations um, at various conferences. Uh, but now we're really doubling down on that. There's a lot of um, talk about chips in in the public, and a lot of about the innovation that's going into chips um, across the entire industry. And it's important for uh, IBM Z and for us at IBM to showcase that we're not bystanders in that. We're, li we're really driving top-shelf technology and innovation into IBM Z systems, right? This is best-of-breed Samsung's technology, 7 nanometer EUV, in terms of the innovation that we're putting on the chip with the new cache design and the new accelerators. We're doing really, really innovative stuff. And, and we, we wanted to highlight that. And that's the reason why we named the chip, why... Uh, we we branded it the Telum chip, uh, and why we went out uh, relatively early um, before the system has been announced to to talk about publicly. Uh, in terms of technologically, how it can help, uh, we put this AI accelerator um, engine onto the processor chip specifically to help with low latency, real time AI inferencing. Right? Maybe not everybody's familiar with the terminology. Uh, in, in artificial intelligence, we talk about training, which is to take historical data and train a model. And then we're talking about inferencing, which is taking today's data or this second's data, this instant of like a transaction data, apply it against the model to have the model gauge risk or, or, or detect fraud or, you know, whatever other things the model is getting used to. Mm -hmm. So inferencing is the, the process of using the model versus training is the process of building the model. And when we talk to our clients over the last few years, uh, helping us shape what the processor chip should do, it became very clear that low latency inferencing is something that can be very valuable. If our clients are enabled to embed AI inferencing directly into their transactions, uh, perform the AI inference and have the result of the AI inference 
influence the outcome of the transaction. You could interrupt a, a, a fraudulent transaction or something as it's happening as opposed to an alert later on, I guess. It, it, that's exactly it. We can we can detect a risk in a in a in a trade. We can gauge risk with AI models in a in a trading transaction. We can detect fraud in a credit card transaction. Things like that. And and being real time means it's so fast that the transactions can, can be interrupted or or could go to a different process, a different business consideration process in the software because the risk is deemed higher or something like that, right? And so that's where the big difference to something like a GPU is. It's optimized. It's directly on the chip. It has access directly to the data in the caches and, and it can talk to the caches in sort of nanosecond latencies and perform inference tasks in, in millisecond latencies so that it can fit within the duration of a transaction. And what I find also very interesting there is, of course, if, if we have it in the chip as kind of hardware instructions, it is also much more easy to actually integrate in, in, in our, let's say, like the compilers and stuff in our software stack to make it more transparent and easy to use. And I think that is also some some of the design principles that we have on the IBM Z platform that helps the application developers a lot. Because, I mean, you, you said what, what you what you integrated over the past few years into this into this machine. And most of the users don't really notice, for example, when we introduced the, the vector instructions, they just recompiled their COBOL code and without doing anything, things were better in their COBOL code. And I think that is also something that, that is uh, often neglected. The, the fact that we own the complete stack, we can do highly optimized stuff with it and can really help our application developers out there to make their lives easier by putting some hardware features into a chip And in the end, their transaction runs not just faster, but even better and maybe on a higher secure level because we can use real hardware cryptography and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And in the, in the case of the AI accelerator, for example, we have worked very closely with the, the software teams to prepare the IBM deep learning compiler to uh, optimize AI models that could have been trained anywhere, um, could have been trained uh, on the cloud or Hmm. Uh, on power systems or on IBM Z systems. Uh, and then those models can be exported to the open neural network exchange format, uh, Onyx. And then the Onyx models can be compiled using the IBM deep learning compiler and be optimized specifically for the new instructions that are coming with the Telem chip for the AI accelerator. And then, like you mentioned, uh, optimization across the stack is absolutely something that Uh, IBM Z shines at because we do have this end-to-end -end engineered system like all the way up from the silicon into the middleware, right? And so, for example, DB2 can exploit uh, the AI accelerator both to improve query processing and performance and efficiency, but also to enable application designers to extract AI insights directly from the data inside the DB2 Uh, database system, from, you know, embedding AI directly into SQL queries, for example. So that just shows the the, the scope of this um, uh, stack-wide integration and optimization. And I find it I find it very fascinating when you talk about it because, as you said, you are passionate about about the hardware design of the Z platform, and that is sometimes uh, I, I feel at least uh, when you go to the 
to the internet and listen uh, and read about IBM mainframes, sometimes the people don't recognize that we still have a very, very modern system. So all the stuff you just mentioned have been recently developed. And uh, as I probably think, you are already thinking about what comes next. And and so so the IBM Z machines these people get on the market on the market today. They are actually highly sophisticated pieces of technology, even more sophisticated, I would say, than any x86 box that you can get out there. Well, in particular, because we we really leverage the, a full stack approach where, where, where we work across the firmware operating system, hypervisor, middleware stack uh, to figure out what should we be building in hardware and how do we create this end-to-end value. And, and you're absolutely right. It's It's one of the best parts of my job is how how broad it is, right? Just this week, I've been in meetings about uh, the Telem uh, chip and the Telem-based system and uh, some of the remaining work that we have to do for that. I've been in a lot of meetings about the next generation processor that's already in, in development. And I've been in meetings about the processor following that, you know, two generations from now, where we're doing early content work. And uh, all of that with an eye towards that stack uh, stack level innovation across the whole stack is is just a lot of fun to to see this happening and see um, see that innovation take shape uh, early on like in the concept phase and then see it come to fruition through the through the development cycle and you know close to uh, close to being ready to get into the field like we have with the talent chip now that's just an exciting journey every generation. Yeah, amazing, and I think I think there's also something uh, that you you, could, you just assured the people because sometimes I get these questions from customers like, oh, so IBM will stop to produce IBM Z machines anyway in two years' time, and you just uh, proved them wrong because you're already talking about a chip that comes after the next chip, which is probably out uh, for four or five years from today, which is uh, actually a very good proof that that we are not stopping to have innovation in Z, but on the opposite, we have even more stuff in there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of innovation that we're already cooking up for for the next couple of generations. Absolutely. So great, Christian. So 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 what is it? I mean, we kind of heard it already, but but what is it? What you think? Wh- why why should young people think about moving to a job in IBM Z that they probably never heard about before in the in the in their in their lectures? I'm not sure if you had it in your lectures. I I I never had it in my lectures mentioning. I think once in the, in the networking section where it was oh there's token ring and token ring that was used to do mainframes, but it it doesn't really feel like a hype topic anymore. But what would you think? What 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 do you think is a is a good a good reason why young people should consider actually looking into IBM Z? Well, I will say for me. One of the most satisfying things is to see how how broadly IBM Z systems are used and how they drive mission critical applications in, I'll say, traditional industries like banking and financial services, and how important IBM Z is to the world's IT infrastructure, but also how it is continuously evolving and modernizing itself, and how we're bringing hybrid cloud technology and open shift to it. And, and that's not just a software thing, right? That that ties back into the hardware, for example, talking about secure execution and confidential computing for containerized workloads. And, and then seeing new applications come to the mainframe, things like digital asset management that some of our newer clients are using on IBM Z directly deployed in the IBM cloud. And just seeing the breadth of that 
system and, and how it can serve traditional purposes uh, all the way to those very new things is, is just amazing. And there's a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah, th th thank you a lot. I think that 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 really drives me as well. And I think I think you mentioned it. The the, the important workloads. It's not just like the Cantina plan of Poughkeepsie or of the CIA. It is really the things that matter. And I personally think that is a very good reason why a lot of young people at the moment are interested in the technology and why I think they should they should stick with it. Absolutely. Thanks, Christian. Your career is definitely changed somewhat since that opening 9.15 lecture on day one. But what I really like is your passion for the for the topic, that your passion to innovate and, and strive, go forward, really comes through. And I like the way you particularly are emphasizing how the mainframe and its constituents are not this old technology that was invented in the 1960s or um, before even, but it, it is a vital, vibrant area even today. And that really comes through, and I really like that. So thank you. My pleasure. It's fun to be here. <laughs> okay, so I'll just wrap up with, there are more IBM Z podcasts ranging from DevOps, application development, and of course, our own application platform. So please check out ibm.biz forward slash Z podcasts. But for now, from Nick, Toby and Christian, it's goodbye. And we'll see you at our next podcast. <laughs>